FreshBooks has created a super intuitive tool that makes creating and sending invoices ridiculously easy. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom built for exactly the way you work. The most important thing for everyone listening is that getting started on FreshBooks is extremely simple, even if you're not a numbers person. Actually, especially if you're not a numbers person. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to everyone listening. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash money and enter Listen Money Matters in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. My fake trees died because I forgot to pretend to water them. My name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with my good friend, Andrew, who is smiling at my very corny joke. Did <laughs> you What's make that up? No, it's from Mitch Hedberg. I, I don't know what that is. Mitch Hedberg? He Still don't know what that is. He, uh, he's, he's a dead comedian. Rest in peace, 440 out for Mitch. Mm. Um, dude, go listen to him on YouTube. He's great. I'm going to. He has like a lot of those cornball jokes. That's kind of what he was known for. That's pretty much all I have. That and like drugs, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite Mitch Hedberg joke is um, he, he's talking about being in a conversation with an interviewer for a job. Mm. He gets the question, you know, what do you see yourself doing in five years? And his answer is celebrating the five-year anniversary of you asking me this question. <laughs> so that's my answer to that question now. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> anyway, what are you drinking, man? Um, so I was going to have a Negroni. Well, oh, okay. okay. So Laura was going to make me a Negroni, but we didn't have gin. And uh, we had Mezcal. So I have a Mezcaleroni. Mezcal. Mm. What is that? That's, that a, that's a, like a, a smoky, um, how do I describe it besides it's, it's like a smoky liquor. Is it, is it liqueur or is it liquor? Uh, it's, it's liquor like gin is liquor. Interesting. Okay. What are you drinking, dude? Do you have a special I, beer? I do in a special beer glass with German Ooh. writing on it. So this is, and you probably be excited about this. Uh, it's called Noma gang. Hmm. It's a collaboration between Omegang and some other brewery. I don't remember the name of, but it's like a Blondale and it's pretty tasty. Uh, it's very heady. I tried to do like a slow pour the first time mm. and it just foamed up for like 15 minutes. So <laughs> the last couple I've been like really slow. I know you said I'll be right back. I have to pour my <laughs> beer really slow. I was like, yeah. all right, dude, <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very heady. So, but it's good. Um, and I texted you the other night and I was like, I think I'm a beer plebeian because I tasted this and I can tell it's super high quality, but man, I just, I like my, my Shawfly and my really, you know, basically plebeian stuff, but it's growing on me actually mm. after having a few, maybe it's just one of those acquired taste kind of, of things, those things like beer is mm. anywho. So today is the day, man wrapping up so so we're wrapping up a month and i mean uh, i'm sure there's going to be many things that we didn't cover questions oh yeah like send them in just you wait until i actually start looking at my first property i'm going to be texting you like a madman and i'm just not going to answer i'm going to be writing them down (laughs) like and episode pretty much yeah but uh in case you guys are for some reason jumping into this episode first this is the conclusion to our real estate investing deep dive month. We so really think recap, you should start on week one. Yeah, but stop, recap. Start with week one. So we had the first one, which is just the intro to 
real estate investing, basically. The and case for rental had, properties, yes, why leverage is awesome. Yeah. Why and then you should the second care. episode, we had uh, how to evaluate real estate properties, all the numbers, the math stuff, where we went over our tool, mm-hmm. which you can find. Where's the URL again? It is pro.listenmoneymatters.com. So P-R-O, like you are a pro. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have this tool that Andrew built. Mm-hmm. It uh, basically lets you search a property, pulls in all these numbers from all these online sources, and then lets you change all the numbers, you know, the rent, the, you know, the amount you invest, so how much leverage you'll have, and you get all your cash on cash, you get your capexes, all that kind of stuff. You know exactly whether or not the property should cash flow. So it's like a baller research tool. So that episode goes over all the numbers in the tool. Mm-hmm. Then episode three was our interview with the CEO of Roofstock. Yes. Which is awesome. Where and I've gotten two of my properties. Yeah. And that, that is where I'm making a beeline for when I decide to get into this because I don't want to be doing this stuff myself. And in case you haven't heard, <laughs> if you go through our link, you can get a house through Roofstock. You won't have to pay Roofstock anything. They completely waive their fee. Oh, for real? Yeah, so my, my second property through them, I, I had to pay them $500 with a fee and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you don't pay them anything if you go through our link. So you can literally find something awesome, ask them questions, make them do all the research for you. Uh, yeah, and it's free. What's our link? It is listenmoneymatters.com <laughs> slash roofstock. That's R-O-O-F-S-T-O-C-K. Sweet. Yeah, I actually didn't know what it was. <laughs> uh, cool. So I will be using that as well when I get into this because I'm actually really stoked. Um, and I bet I'm going to learn a lot more in this episode. And I'm kind of hoping this episode will maybe temper some of my expectations because I think you always need, there's always like an overcorrection and mm. then a, and like a back to the it, middle. It needs to be like a counterbalance to, yeah. oh my God, bad profit. It's all super. It's exactly. Like, the goal was not from, to say that it was super easy. <laughs> I went from, oh my God, real estate investing is the hardest thing ever. I should never do it. I, and I, I truly was like, I'm just going to stay in my index funds forever. And I don't know if you saw this mm. in the comments for the first episode, we got a comment from someone saying, hey, this was a good episode, but it kind of seemed weird that like, it almost seemed like you guys changed your tune from, you know, be smart, do index investing, don't get too crazy to, all right, now we're baller real estate investors. So key- To which my response is, uh, number one, we have 350 episodes. We can only talk about the basics so much. And two, <laughs> Andrew has a tendency to go hardcore on something <laughs> that interests him, which I do too. Um, but yeah, I think the last couple of episodes or three episodes have made me think, oh, wow, real estate investing is actually easy. And uh, I have like this little like Jiminy Cricket in the back of my mind. It's like, it's not going to be that easy. There's going to be something. So we want to cover like all those some things here. Yeah. And and maybe not like the best comparison, although I, I kind of view it in the same way. I feel like when you go to like Lending Club, right, and you mm-hmm. buy a bunch of loans for $25 and they're like, how do you pick the loans? And you look at you look at the person who's asking for the loan. What do they want it for? You know, what's their credit score? What's their job? You just look at all their details and you try to imagine in your head, like I picture a person in your life like that person or what they might yeah. be like, and then be like, do I want to invest in this person? Um, I think rental property is is just the same thing, just on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just comes down to there's no right methodology. It's more about covering your bases and just knowing what you want. Yeah. 
So we've covered the numbers Mm -hmm. and now we know at least where we recommend to go to look for properties. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to dip your toes in the water, I think this is what I will do. I will go to Roofstock because I don't feel confident trying to find properties on my own. And I I was really reassured with all the things they do, like finding property managers and uh, vetting a lot of the stuff in advance. So what are they? Sorry, God. Oh, so I guess I know how to find a property. I know how to run the numbers to see if it's a good investment to cash flow it. What else am I missing? Okay, and, so yeah. not not to um, belabor the point. That's not really the point. But but I do think it's important that um, at the end of the day, especially if you're buying a place that's not near you, you need to have somebody else's balls on the line. Right. Hmm. If you're the only one that fails when your transaction fails, I mean that's scary, and you're doing it alone, right? I mean yep. maybe you're hiring help, but if they don't care, um, so one of the big things for me, um, I partnered with someone on my first property, and then these two with Roofstock, oh. um, and the guy in the first property, if I didn't get a tenant in the first three months, he was going to pay the mortgage, okay. and I have specific deals in a contract with him so hmm. that his quote unquote balls are on the line. Uh Roofstock is has a 30 day money back guarantee. And they've actually um and I don't know when this deal ends, but uh when I purchased, they actually guaranteed the rent for my properties for a year. Really? Yeah. So first of all, they never owned the home. Did they mention that in the interview? I can't remember. Uh, so at definitely when uh, we interviewed Gary and when it goes live, uh it would the deal was happening. Okay. Um and I'm sure if you ask nicely, I don't, I don't know. I actually, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> well, I, the, I'll ask nicely anyway. The, the point of the matter is, is this is this is a company in, in California. They're they're trying to be like a, a legit startup, mm-hmm. build a reputation for themselves, and they're not getting rich on your deal, and they're they're probably not making all that much money on your deal. They they want you to buy many properties. They want many people to buy properties. They want to help manage your properties. So their reputation matters. And when their reputation matters, they're not going to fuck you. And didn't you say they make most of their profit off of the listing fees on the seller side anyway? So when I sold my uh, property in Hoboken, um, the seller side, seller agent got 3% and the buyer agent okay. got 3%. Um, that's typical for a, a real estate transaction. Seller and buyer agent? Right. So like, say so I was that? buying a house from you. Right, you have a real estate agent because you're selling. I have a real estate agent because I'm buying. You're oh, real- you both have your own real estate agent. See, this is how much like of a noob I am. I yeah, yeah. there was one real estate agent who like basically played matchmaker. So, so, well, it could be, but you have like I have mine who gets the keys, lets me in when you're not home, shows it to me, tries to uh-huh. sell the property to me. You have your person who's like Thomas. We have to stage the kitchen, clean up your bedroom. It's disgusting and whatever. And at the end of the day, when you sell the property, you, you, Thomas pay 6%, 3% to my guy, 3% to the other person. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, actually it might be 3% total one and a half one. Either way. It's a lot. It's a lot yeah, of money yeah. in a transaction. I mean, your, your place in notebook and was what your old one, like 600 K 500 K something so, like that. Or okay. Ready? Let's figure this out. I, I think I paid about 22,000 and I sold it for four twenty. So, so yeah, so it's actually real estate agents. It wound up being, I think it was maybe 26 I paid. So it, it was 6% oh for me. 
right? I paid that out of my oh, property so sale. Yeah. But, but this is normal. Everyone yeah. does it. And so the REITs and big sellers, they also pay this and it sucks. And Roofstock is- They're putting a hundred properties on Roofstock. Yeah. Like that's some mad cheddar. Yeah. And what Roofstock is like- You don't have no. to pay it if you're the buyer. So that's cool. So Exactly. Um, and even when you do, you pay a nominal fee. Like when, if like if you buy your second property after you get the mm. list of money matters, free thing. Um, I actually, I actually don't <laughs> want to like talk about Roofstock. We just did an episode on them. I think yeah. they're awesome. Email me, whatever. Go through the link. Help support us. We definitely cut deals with them. Um, Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna be serious with you, Andrew. Hmm. Um, like. I know you don't want to be too promotional, but like my mindset in this episode is like grill you. So I have all that I know, all I want to like all that I want to know so I can go do this. Yeah, dude. I'm like legit stoked. So like if I'm talking a lot about Roofstock, it's because I'm actually excited to use it. I, I think it's I like Betterment would go without it. So yeah, dude, I think it's like Betterment where th- there was like a bunch of people create tools or they do things and like it helps. But mm-hmm. then, you know, someone like Betterment comes along and they totally change the landscape. You know, now there's a lot of companies in there doing Betterment things, uh, but they fundamentally change and made it accessible for like the quote unquote average person. Th- that's what like Roofstock yeah. is doing for so, rental, ro- rental um, So I've got a question for you real quick, but mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to like make a lay of the land for the rest of this episode for the listeners here. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions about like moving money real quick, but essentially we're going to go over how to pick your property. Mm -hmm. So just kind of like more than just the numbers, neighborhoods, other qualitative factors, Mm -hmm. and then how do you assemble your team? Mm -hmm. So who are all the players you need in your roster to make sure this happens? And also how do you reduce your risk? So what are some of the common risk factors and what do you do to mitigate any potential risk before you make the actual deal? Exactly. Cause the, the whole thing is like, uh, I think that's the name of the game, right? You need yeah. to get the best price and have the least amount of risk possible. Mm-hmm. So my initial question for you is about, getting the resources I need to make my first deal. So you told me that you made another LLC Mm -hmm. for your real estate investing stuff. So dude, you're brilliant. asking me these questions. I totally left this out. Go (laughs) go on. So I've got a bunch of money in, uh, business things and whatnot, LLC, which is college and bookies umbrella company. Mm -hmm. And then I would obviously go and make, I haven't done this yet, but I would go and make something else like real estate things and whatnot, LLC. Obviously Mm -hmm. that makes sense. How do I get money from my moneymaker, which is my website. And for you, it's your day job, but also your website now. Mm -hmm. What's the best way for getting money over into my real estate LLC so I can actually make a deal? Do I take an owner's draw and then make an owner's investment? Or is there like a way for, Listen, Money Matters LLC to cut a check to your other LLC directly. Like, what's is there a tax advantage anywhere? So, um, at the end of the day, uh, the, a big part of this comes down to the mortgage company, and you want to make sure that the mortgage company, like, you should not go into a deal if the mortgage company doesn't let you move it into an LLC, either at the beginning of the transaction or at the end of the transaction. And you need to ask them because if they don't agree, you'll violate the terms of the mortgage and your mortgage will come due as soon as they find out. And that would suck. So, so wait, so explain that to me. So you need to so ask I go, your, I'm making my deal. I need to get a bunch of money from the bank. 
basically what you're saying is I need to say, hey, I want to run this transaction through my real estate LLC. So I want the mortgage. I want my LLC's name on the mortgage and I want my LLC to pay the mortgage. Okay. Right? So, well, um, you could say that uh, your, your LLC is not nearly big enough and it does not have, it doesn't have enough revenue for enough amount of time for them to, they're not going to give your LLC a mortgage and the oh. leverage uh, is not going to be as awesome as if you did it through Thomas Frank, the person. So okay. the way that it is likely that you're going to do it is you're going to create this LLC, um, come up with a really cool name. Mine and Laura's is based off of mo really nerdy movies and stuff. <laughs> uh, we're, we're not going to say the name, uh, even though it's really cool. We're not going to say the name on the air. Um, but uh, what, what we're doing is I'm, I, I went to the mortgage company. I'm like, I'm going to move this property into an LLC. Is that okay? Yes. You can't do it during the transaction, but you can do it after. Great. That's what they told oh. me. So what I do is I get a mortgage under Andrew Fiebert. Okay. Go through the whole process, and at the end, it's called a quit claim deed. Q. I know about those. I'm sorry. I know about those. I just I recently learned about them. And and basically, what happens is you have an LLC, mm -hmm. and you yourself are the primary beneficiary. And so that is yeah. like the rule because the the mortgage needs to have recourse and blah blah blah. So um, at the end of the transaction, like your notary literally has you sign the last paper or the second to last paper, and then the last paper is where you transfer. So basically, you've gone through your closing documents, blah blah blah, and you have the title and it's under Thomas Frank. Mm -hmm. And then the very last page, you transfer ownership from Thomas Frank to Thomas Frank's Real Estate LLC. Right. Of which I am the manager, so which which you're the primary beneficiary. Yeah. Yes. And so what so, happened? So mm. why does this work? But they would not give the mortgage to my LLC directly. Like, why am I allowed to transfer it? Because you have credit, and they could hold you responsible, and your LLC can declare bankruptcy, and they can't go after it, but they can go after you. So so basically. So doesn't that make it the same then? No. As so so here's the thing is the bank, you're not trying to screw the bank. You want a yeah, great yeah. relationship with the bank. You want to pay your mortgage, blood, whatever. But um, you, so you're, like, you're not protecting yourself from your bank. You're mm -hmm. protecting yourself from everyone else. Okay. So basically the bank does have recourse, even though you've transferred the mortgage to the LLC. Which is fine. You intend you to pay. you need to set it up through yourself first, just because you have more credit, trust, history, whatever. Right. And then the whole point of transferring it to an LLC is so like random, you know, dumpy Steve who thinks he's going to slip on your sidewalk and do insurance fraud doesn't. Exactly. Have access to your bank account and your assets. So, so first of all, they don't even know who you are, right? They just oh, know okay. that it's Thomas's real estate LLC that owns a property. Mm. They could see that it's a highly leveraged property with, I mean, they, I mean, they actually, they wouldn't even really be able to see that. Um, long story short, like it, it protects your identity. Uh, it protects them from, they could bankrupt your LLC. If say, I don't know, he trips on the sidewalk, falls on his dog and his dog dies and he sues you and the judge loves Pomeranians and whatever, yeah. right? Um, he could bankrupt your LLC. He's not going to get much because there's not much there. And he's certainly not going to get anything from you or from College Info Geek. Okay. Because so they can only go after, I don't know, 
awesome properties all see or whatever right and name it it it, it removes you as a target it's just basically it's a layer of protection it's like a shield against like stupid lawsuits okay so and then you you would basically set the llc up the exact same way you set up uh your list of money matters one right so Mm -hmm. you do your articles of incorporation you register with the state um Sounds crazy. This is like much. literally 15 minutes of work, at least in New Jersey. And I think it'll cost you like a hundred or so dollars. Yeah. Uh, did you do it through legal zoom or something? No, no. I, I went on to like New Jersey revenue and, Oh, you like literally did it yourself. Actually, Laura, Laura did this one. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, like we, she's actually, actually did this one and documented the whole thing. And we are coming out with an article sometime oh, between now and never. Okay. Yeah, and on the on the flip side, I've got a lawyer. Um, I have a great relationship with her, and she charged me a flat three fifty to everything involved in setting up my LLC, including some paperwork we had to resubmit. So she didn't even like try to charge me for extra hours. So that was also great. And yeah, and legal Zoom's out. cheap, like so you don't have to. Yeah, that's like a hundred bucks or something. Yeah. So, um, I personally like having a lawyer because I have someone I can go to now as well, you know, with questions. And she was a very helpful for a deal I did recently as well. Uh, okay. So LLC taken care of, got that set up. How do you transfer money to it? So uh, company somehow pipeline. So, so you can um, do an owner's contribution, which mm-hmm. you could then pull out later tax free. Um, or you could just wait till rent comes in. And populate that because remember, like you're. Well, you got to make. Oh, duh! You're doing the investment first, right? You're doing so the investment. The LLC is never making the initial uh, purchase. And you are exactly, and and the way that everything works is first of all, when you get a mortgage, the first month you actually don't pay your mortgage. It starts in the second month. Okay. So what happens is you'll actually get a full month cash flow. You just oh. keep it in your bank. And so then, basically, you should never really have to throw money into the LLC. After you buy it, you shouldn't. Yeah, and then the LLC's coffers literally just exist for the CAPEX and the vacancy rate, stuff like that. Exactly. It's, it's just a reserve account. Out, you know, if there happened to be a ton of money sitting in there, you could pull out money to make your next purchase. Exactly. And then the cycle begins anew. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. So that takes care of those questions for me. Um, let's talk about selecting a property then. I, I actually, okay. Yeah. So let's talk about selecting a property. And I think the most important thing, like above everything, I mean, obviously you want to make money, cash flow, and stuff like that. But the most important thing I believe are the local laws. Okay. Um, in New Jersey, uh, the laws are tilted really heavily in uh, the, the, Uh, like occupiers favor the renters favor so i could not pay my rent um and just kind of live here and it takes a long time for them to even be able to uh like appeal to have me kicked out uh i've heard stories like it was like the winter and the judge you know didn't want to throw them on the street and so like you know you you could have someone living in your property for six months not paying paying yeah oh wow so um, it, it's like really renter friendly. If you're going to be a landlord, you should probably buy in a place that is really landlord friendly. Um, mm. So I have place. I have a, a place in Indiana and two in Georgia. Um, Indiana uh, has a ridiculous policy where you could you could basically evict someone 
uh, almost immediately after them missing the rent payment. I think you just have to send them a oh, letter. Wow. Um, I think it's. Are you planning on using that? Well, no. See, the thing is, what's, is what's your LLC's be a dick policy? <laughs> I, I, I think it's every situation is is unique, right? And yeah. at the end of the day, I want them to pay me. I mm-hmm. don't want to evict them. And and honestly, uh, evicting people will cost you money because you have to pay the management company to evict them. Oh, file yeah, the yeah. papers, and so you want them to pay you. But if, like, say every month they're they're pain in the ass eventually you just evict them evict them right you get a better one okay um in georgia you actually only need 48 hours after them not paying you rent in order to uh like create the lawsuit and um i think then it's within seven days from that you can evict them or something to that effect. i don't know exactly but it's really really short wow. indiana is along the same lines uh Actually, there'll be a link in the show notes if there's like these top eight states that are just like golden. Yeah, I'm writing them down. So <laughs> Texas, Indiana, Colorado, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, Arizona, Florida. The, these are like amazing uh, landlord friendly states. Okay. So basically when you're looking wherever for properties, you're basically only looking in these states. So... I, this is where I focused my search. Um, and then also, if there comes a point where it's like, if you're going to have multiple properties, I think there's like economies of scale where focus on a certain area, maybe mm-hmm. a certain management company, they can reduce fees if you're managing multiple properties under yeah. them. So um, I have Indiana and Georgia, and unless something insane, then I just can't help myself. I plan to only buy in those two areas. So... There are eight states here. Mm-hmm. What narrowed your search down to Indiana and Georgia? Um, so the deals that and then the prices of the places. So the prices in Indiana near Indianapolis are like really, really cheap. Okay. I mean, like coming from New York, uh, especially because things are expensive here. The property I got was fifty five six or no mm-hmm. fifty six five or something like that. Um, and I probably even overpaid for it, but it was like such a good deal based on the numbers. I whatever. Um, Georgia also great number cheap, uh, but more importantly, uh, I, I'm I'm a little crazy. I don't want to ever have to worry about a natural disaster. Um, I was about to say yeah, because like well, I was look that was kind of what I was fishing for. I dealt because, with Sandy, and that was the worst, yeah, dude. And Who, Mississippi just had a flood, didn't they? Yeah, uh, well, Louisiana had crazy stuff, and mm-hmm. you know New Orleans has problems, and uh, I'm sure you could find great deals there, and maybe the landlord rules aren't that bad. But like, do you ever want to really deal with that? Yeah, I, I don't want to make it sound like we're heartless, mm-hmm. but I mean, it. it I, I would say it is rational to try to minimize the chances that whatever rental property you buy gets flooded or gets, you know, tornadoed or whatever. If you suck uh, the emotion out of it, right? Yeah. And because this is math, this is money, we're just trying to grow our wealth, we're running a business. Um like why take on unnecessary risk? Right, exactly. You know, Florida uh, is great. It hasn't been hit by hurricanes in a while, but I don't know. Like I would do in like North Florida maybe. Yeah, I mean there yeah, are areas sure. of Florida have, that like, are fine. Front property but you'd have you should research that, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of research to do. One thing I'm thinking of is um, because I'm moving to Colorado with a bunch of friends. Uh, some of them are asking, you know, does Colorado have anything in the way of natural disasters? 
And there's this thread on city data where the guy's like, uh, there's a general agreement between us that the worst natural disaster Colorado has is the Denver Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's like stoked that, yay, no tornadoes, no floods, no hurricanes. We're basically escaping all natural disasters going to Colorado. So on that front, you know, it, it would seem Colorado was a good pick, but I know like real estate, at least in Denver area, anywhere around that is just bonkers. So probably not as cheap, mm. probably not going to get as good of a return as if you go with like Indiana, Georgia, Kentucky, something like that. I mean, also dude, not even just eviction laws. Like, can you raise the rent? Are there ridiculous rent control laws where you buy this place, oh, yeah. it's below market value and you'll basically never be able to bring it to market value. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so just like things like that, I think are important to, to you know, or, or like one of the big ones um, is how likely is it that you could actually use their security deposit to pay for their damages? Oh yeah. Like a is lot that, of places. Is there like a law against that or something? They, or? Can, they can contest it and you can't just use it. I mean, oh. or you, can, you could use it and then owe it to them. And so that's something you, you want to be in a place that leans towards landlords. In, in I need to look like up that. the laws for security deposits here because I don't know, like our security deposit was like a full month. So it was quite large. Dude, and, so and I want to make sure we get it back when we leave. Um, so this is what it says for Colorado. Landlords have two advantages in the state of Colorado. They can enter a rental property they own without giving a tenant any notice they are doing so. They can also quickly move on eviction proceedings when rent remains unpaid. A demand for compliance gives tenants 72 hours to either pay the rent or move out. The huh. court gets 100% of the time. The court gets involved 100% of the time if the demand for compliance expires. And if the court finds in favor of the landlord, there's a 48 hour window when the sheriff will enforce the order. So, okay. You know, obviously you tend on paying, but. And these, these are things. It's like, I, we'll link in, link in the show notes. There's tons of stuff on the internet on this yeah um and this is stuff you should hopefully not have to do Mm. but if it come if like you know worst comes to worst and you've got walter white living in your apartment and not paying rent or something like yeah you want to have recourse yeah and hopefully it's in colorado because then you could show up when he's not there and see the meth lab (laughs) take the meth lab taste the meth lab (laughs) So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to life as a freelancer. Challenging? Yes. But our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are so worth it. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. To meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. Create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Set up online payments with just a couple clicks and get paid up to four days faster. See when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of you. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com money and enter Listen Money Matters in the How Did You Hear About Us section. 
So are, are there any examples we can pull up? Of what? Like properties. I don't know. Oh, of properties and like their prices and stuff? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, dude, go to roofstock.com. Roofstock. Or go to listenmoneymatters.com slash roofstock. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, let's see here. Oh, okay, we got one here for Georgia. Here's a Georgia one. Um, And hey, if you're sitting at home and not driving, then you can actually log into the tool and we can go through these numbers real quick. But dude, dude, let's let's not iron the numbers. We and we too, we were like crazy in numbers. Okay, so we've got. All right, this is. Only because uh, there's like so much that I, I'd want to discuss. I want to pack their brains. Okay, so I, I, I've sent you a property. Uh, we're looking at this place in Georgia, four six seven Safari Circle, and it's on Roofstock uh, in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Now I can run all this stuff for the tool if I want, mm-hmm. um, and it, also on Roofstock I've got a an unlevered net yield. So I guess that's un- unleveraged, probably. Is that what that means? They're, they're just trying to show you with the same numbers on our site. They're they're less um, financy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use cash on cash instead of like internal rate of return. It's just a different way of of considering a property. Yeah, uh, but these these are basically the financials. So those are the financials. We have some other details here. Uh, I've got the proximity to Atlanta. I can see so. Uh, it's got some nice little qualitative things like the current lease. This runs through June 2017. Um, the roof and the HVAC are certified to have 10 plus years of life remaining. So by the last inspection report, so you don't have to worry about those kind of things. It's close to a campus. Uh, commute time is low. You know, I guess like, do you do you have a list of qualifiers that yeah. you bring into any deal? Um, absolutely. So one of the big things that Laura and I look at are the, the crime rate and the school rating. Okay. Um, so, or or the crime risk, however you want to look at it. There's like awesome crime maps you can find online. Very soon our tool will include these. Um, if there's like gunshots every night in the neighborhood and there's a lot of like grand theft and I don't know, like, do you want to deal with stuff like that? Maybe people are vandalizing properties. Um, yeah. And, and one of the things is also, uh, even if someone will pay you a really great return, uh, you, you want a good tenant who's going to take care of your property, hopefully stay a while, um, because it's expensive to have turnover. So having like good schools, um, think about like a family with kids, they want to send their children to good schools. They're probably going to, you know, try and put roots down and stay for a while. We, we want, easy automated good tenants um so we we try yeah. and like stay in like between like i don't know like a c uh, maybe it's like the lowest uh we'll that's go. your bar yeah or in your floor crime for the crime risk yeah okay schools are very flexible on i mean it's it's hard to tell like hoboken actually has terrible schools mm-hmm. terrible school ratings but um if you got a couple like you and laura you know, moving in. I know you guys are considering kids in the near future-ish, but right now, no kids, so mm. school is probably not a huge thing on your list. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, like one of our properties uh, is very close to Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. and there are some girls living there that go to Georgia Tech. Oh, cool. Like, okay. That's awesome, right? College yeah. students, um, there's three of them. They could easily, far and away, cover the rent. Uh, you know, and they're, they're going to tech schools. So they're a bunch of nerds. Like, totally. Uh, so, 
Allison mentioned this when we did, it was like one of our first episodes about real estate. She gets places near universities and ideally rents them out to grad students with kids. Cause like what's a grad student family going to do? Yeah. They're not having parties. They're like putting the kids to bed at seven and then they're staying up reading law books. The, the adults are dedicating their lives to learning. Like how, you know, even yeah. if they can't like, even if it's not like the best neighborhood because they can't afford it yet, they're still good people. Yeah, exactly. So I, that's exactly what I would want. And I, I, if I was renting out places to students, I would want a bunch of honors computer engineering nerds like myself. And well, I'm not an engineer, but I live with them. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry so much. So one of the ways that uh, people uh, kind of like holistically uh, quantify this or categorize is they, they claim like the property slash neighborhood um, has like a, a letter rating. Mm-hmm. So A would be like the newest things in the nicest area. You know, B would be maybe a little bit older or not, not as nice an area or some combination of the two. C is, you know, older ones um maybe maybe it's more of like a working class neighborhood uh and d is like pretty bad rundown property uh sometimes people call d like a war zone Mm. okay um so don't do those well and so here's the thing is there's money to be made in every letter of this scale it just you have to be real with yourself of what you want like your risk tolerance has to be higher mm. if you're going to go into a D neighborhood because and more shit can happen. Exactly. You but, know? you know, just like Lending Club, like you're going to make money if you get an A rated loan, but you're going to make yeah. the most money when you get like a D rated loan. So, yeah, I guess so. You like your cash, you will be cash flowing like a beast for D, but there's a lot of, there's a lot more risk. Now, do you have a sweet spot? Like if you see an A and you see a B minus, are you more like, well, the B minus is going to cash flow better. I'm going to go for that. Or like, so, do you, do you avoid A's? I guess. I want to say that our indie place is probably a C minus. It's probably a C minus. Okay. Um, it, it's like right there in a less than savory area. Interestingly in Indianapolis, um, it's BYO appliances. So, so our tenants really? bring their own fridge, stove, everything. Like all we provide are walls and a roof. Um, That's crazy. I've never heard of that. Which is great because there's less I can break. That's why we're like such a big <laughs> fan of the place. Okay. It, it, I mean, it might even be closer to D. And so we cash flow like crazy, but it was really hard to find a tenant that I would want to be in a place that I own. Okay. I mean, they they all worked at places that, um, were extremely low hourly wages, um, and everyone had bankruptcies or were evicted. So to find the person who wasn't evicted and didn't mm-hmm. declare bankruptcy, I had to wait a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, now I think Laura and I are looking somewhere between like a C and a B. And that's tough, man, because like you never know, like you know, you see a bankruptcy on someone's record. You never know if there's like a legitimate reason for that. You know, a lot or, of it was in 2008 and like you, you don't have yeah. to count it against them. Like try to imagine the person if like they had a tough time and you could kind of watch on the financial docs, like just, you look at it, like it just goes to shit like really quickly. But then if they're fine after that, you know, they put their shit, they put their life together. 
what sort of control do you have over the tenant you get? Because I know there's like equal opportunity housing laws and stuff. And I don't know. I, I know the name of that. And that's where my knowledge ends. Look, so. Thomas, if you don't want to rent to people who run a financial podcast, you don't have to. Really? I mean, you can't explicitly not give it to me because I have a money podcast. But if you just decide to not rent to me, that's that's your prerogative. Oh, okay. I mean, like if you're overtly racist or sexist or just an asshole, uh, you're going to get called out on it. So don't be right. Okay. And I think the thing is like, um, I don't care if a kangaroo lives on my property, if they're going to pay me on time and they're not going to destroy the place. And they're going to be generally respectful. So I think like you have to judge like holistically. Yeah, that's the big thing I was always scared of because um, my last year in our college apartments that were off campus, but when I was still in college, we had neighbors who moved in across the hall and they were just like, they're idiots. Mm. Uh, I had to call the cops on them so many times. They just like would not take a hint on the partying thing. And one time the cops busted them and they were so stupid. Um, they had packed their place full of minors. Oh so what God. they decided to do is run out the back door because we were on ground level mm-hmm. and just completely break their fence. That was like on the little patio thing. So it was just, I went out there, it was like splintered all over the place, broken glass beer bottles everywhere. They were constantly getting our pool closed because they would take glass beer bottles into it. And I was like, you know, I thought about maybe being a property owner one day and I was like, there has to be some law where I can be like, no fucking douchebags allowed in my place. But then I, you know, I had heard the word equal opportunity housing act and never looked into it. And I was just like, kind of afraid that, you know, if Chad McDouche and his bros want to rent my place, I have to let them. And I don't want to. So interestingly, a big part of the housing act is, is section eight and stuff, which we'll talk about. Okay. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, look, I, I so you, you're going to have a potential tenant you should do like all the research you possibly could about this person who's living in your mm. place. I don't know if it's like I'm, I'm being politically correct uh, saying I don't want to rent to a kangaroo, but I, I don't want to rent to an asshole. And yeah. um, you're going to get the name of the person. And I Googled the shit out of them. And mm. I checked out all their social media accounts if they were available. I feel like it's uh, not that different than applying for a job. Right. Yeah. You go best foot forward. Mm -hmm. You almost like talk up some of your best areas, you know, maybe negotiate down the security deposit because you're so awesome. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned Section 8. What exactly is that? So Section 8 is affordable housing support um, from like a local housing authority. Okay. So um, they'll agree on some, say you had Section 8, they'll agree on some proportion with you. Um, Say you pay 10% and they pay 90% or whatever it is. And basically you get a home that you maybe wouldn't otherwise be able to afford, likely because you have a family, and they'll pay 90% of the rent and you'll pay 10 or whatever the break is. So you mean the government's paying part of the rent, they're paying part of the rent. Yeah. You still get the full rent. You get the full rent. And so, you know, the obvious pro is you're getting paid by the government. The government is always going to pay you. Yeah. You know, um, 
It's, there's, it's also uh, everywhere like you look on the internet, they're like, this is the best marketing tactic ever. You say you support Section 8 people, all of a sudden you have like a billion applicants because mm-hmm. um, not that many people even know it's a thing or want to because they're ignorant. Um, and, and another pro is actually, which I found like really ironic or whatever, is the rents tend to be higher than the market average. They say they, they huh. find the market average, but I think they know like... I have to incentivize a little bit. Yeah. Right. So what are the cons of that then? Uh, there's often little recourse for damages. Um, you would have to appeal to the Section 8 office, which is basically like, from what I understand, talking to a brick wall. It sounds like putting a message in a bottle and throwing it into a sinkhole. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've heard people complain that their properties became kind of like guest houses uh, where, you know, it's like you're renting it to three people, a family of three, mm-hmm. but it turns out a family of eight is living in there because the niece, the nephew, the boyfriend, all these people, you know, mm. it's not always the case. And I think you have to vet well, but yeah. it's, a, it's a thing. Um, and then the other con is that uh, they, they could actually change the rent on you. Um, so, and I, I, I've read it's usually between like plus minus fifty dollars, but mm-hmm. they just not they just like we're paying you less, um, oh. and they could also change the ratio of how much they pay versus the tenant. So you love it when the government pays you ninety percent. You probably love it a little less when the government only pays you ten percent. Yeah, because then you're worried about the tenant paying the full. Interesting. Hmm. What's your current thought on buying or not buying a section eight so we almost did mm-hmm. but didn't because roofstock actually has a tenant in there already so you could okay. even so you could judge the property and you could judge a tenant even like as one thing mm-hmm. um they, they told us it was section eight and we decided not to um it wasn't only because of that but um we were unsure i hadn't done all my research yet and we figured it was a wild card Okay. But in the Indianapolis place, uh, we are renting to someone who is on welfare. So okay. she, uh, actually, I don't think it's, I think it's like disability welfare. Yeah. Um, but uh, she has a job. She also gets a check from the government. It's just more security. Interesting. Mm. Okay. So we know about states mm. where the laws are friendly to you. We know right. about some renter considerations. Um, another thing that pops into my mind is I'm not buying a place that's next door to me. Mm-hmm. So, and I know Roofstock says they like vetted things, you know, they have like the HVAC, the roof certification, but houses have a lot of little things you might not expect. So I don't know. I know we talk about a Capex fund for repairs. Mm hmm. But I would like to do all I can to buy properties that don't need a ton of repairs in the first place. So the cool thing. So, okay. So the Indianapolis property that I bought, the guy uh, renovated the whole thing. So most of it was new. Okay. Um, And since I don't even have appliances, like literally the roof has to collapse for something to break. Or I don't Mm -hmm. know, a window gets stuck or something. Uh, So I was like pretty cool with that. And my roof stock properties... Um, what happens is a uh, roof stock actually certifies the condition of the property 
based on on what happens with the inspection mm. and they estimate how much repairs would be needed they'll tell you like the roof has 10 years left or it has three years left um the end cap on the counter needs to be replaced that's gonna be four hundred dollars blah 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 and they certify it um and they stand by that so okay. it's one of those things and there's there's like a, an enormous amount of pictures and um more detail than you'd probably want to read uh and, and I'm leaning on them for that. Right. Okay. So basically you're not worrying yourself too much about repairs. It's just does roof stock say it's good? Okay. But I will and tell you a story. Uh, so the one that I just, or I'm working on now by the time this airs, I'll have closed on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, in the inspection report came back uh, that there was like three to five years left on the roof and there needed to be a little repairs on the roof now. It was like the shingles were a little messed up. Okay. And uh, I was thinking, put a bid on it. I was talking to the guys at Roofstock, and I was like, actually, like, I just don't want to go with a place that might need a roof soon. Yeah. I just don't want to deal with that. I want to deal with it in like ten years. Um, and this guy Zach, who's awesome, he he's like one of the, like the top guys at Roofstock. He emailed me back. He's like, actually, um, it was like miss whatever. Uh, the the inspection report was wrong. Um, and he sent me all the receipts. They just had the uh, roof replaced, like completely. I was oh, like, wow. like, I got the receipts, blah, 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 pictures. It just looked like instead of it being like a deep roof issue, maybe something happened and a shingle got loose. And just that needs to be fixed. Mm. So um, you could reach out to them for clarification. One of them, I, I asked if uh, my, my first one with them, I said, because um, the counter needed some work, I asked if I could send someone in to take pictures and estimate how much it would cost. So I just had a impartial, and they were like, "Sure, we'll coordinate with the tenants." Um, did you have a friend in, in Indianapolis to do that, or did you like task rabbit or what? So we, I actually went to the show notes of one of our past episodes where we did. Um, uh, it was. Uh, oh, it was the sharing economy one. Yeah, the sharing there economy that, one, and there, there was like pictures. Yeah, exactly. Pictures one. Yeah, I forgot what they're called. Yeah, so I just went there. Okay, interesting. And so that worked out. You bought it. I actually wound up not even doing it. Like, uh, you you didn't buy the property? No, no, I bought the property, but um, oh. I wound up not sending someone over. And oh, okay, but they, they said it was fine. That's what I would have done. Okay, um, gotcha. Um, so you do that. Now you got to buy property insurance, right? Yes. But there's different types of property insurance you can buy. Mm-hmm. So what kind of research did you do to decide on like what all you wanted covered? So um, you, you definitely want medical covered. So if someone gets injured, mm-hmm. that's covered. Um, you need at least covered up to your mortgage um, all the way through the whole value of the, the purchase price if you want to get your piece back. Okay. And, and you need to consider property insurance as uh like you you would use it in the event of something cataclysmic yeah if if a wall breaks and it costs a thousand dollars you should probably not make a claim because you don't want your rates going up exactly and and so the whole name of the game is um to use your uh like your escrow account not your escrow account your capex fund. Yeah, your capex fund, basically. Um, you just because yeah, if it's a thousand dollar fix, I mean, if that makes your rates go up thirty bucks a month three years from now, it's already costed you more, hmm. basically. 
And and what Laura and I, so I want to go back to the the property insurance in a sec. But what Laura and I did is we decided that the first three months, a hundred percent of anything we get after expenses, we're just immediately putting into the fund. So, so you're basically like, let's accelerate the Capex fund. Yeah. For a while, just so there's a pillow there, basically. Exactly. Okay. And, and I just don't. I literally. I just don't want to deal with anything. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um. That my job shouldn't be anything related to that. But um, on the property insurance, I think our deductible is like five thousand mm-hmm. dollars on at least two of our properties. You get a cheaper rate. It meaningfully changes your cash flow, and I'm not going to make a claim on anything below that, anyways. Okay. Now, you get medical. I'm guessing you get like fire. Uh, what about flood? Like what? I know Roostock has a flood rating, mm. so. If it's a low, do you just skip flood or do you get like a lower flood insurance? Like, what do you do? That, I mean, that's up to you. Like, definitely. What do you do? I I get the, the basics. So you don't get flood. So I, I don't get flood unless so okay. in Hoboken, like I'm required to. Um, and in, in uh, my first, uh, you know, my first Georgia place, I have fire. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't now know someone who hates the show is going to show up at your place with like a garden hose. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> this will show him. <laughs> it's, it's a judgment call. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So I, I guess I'm pretty strong on that. Um, let's go over to the team part. Mm. Is roof stock. If I go through them, are they my entire team or are there other people I want? involved here and i have some like later advanced questions for you but like Mm. for my first property who all do i need so okay for your first property you need a mortgage guy or girl okay um you need a property manager Mm -hmm. um and you need insurance mortgage guy okay and now and none of these people go through or wait no property manager so roofstock does those so Roofstock will recommend they, they they have local people that they work with and they will recommend you all of them, um, mm-hmm. and they could just do it all for you and you'd be like, you just send them your financial documents to prove they can get the mortgage and just step away. Okay. Um, I chose to pick my own bank because I wanted uh like a, a bank that I'd be able to log into, get loans in Indianapolis and Georgia. Um, and let me do the LLC. So, so I, I had like some requirements for the bank that I wanted. Now, is your bank a Hoboken bank or is it a bank that at least has a branch in Hoboken? Um, I'm with North Point Bank. So I don't, they, I'm almost certain they don't have a branch in Hoboken. Okay. Um, but it doesn't matter. I'd rather do stuff over email anyways. That takes me like two seconds versus like a 30 minute going in and say hello. So this is a bank you found in Indianapolis. So I found it for Georgia, oh, for but Georgia. it also works with Indianapolis. Okay. Um, and does that give you more leverage for negotiating your mortgage rate, or is there any is there any leverage for that? Not not really. No. Um, okay. It's just easier. So like this new this property that I'm working on now, I did not have to do much because they already knew everything about me. Oh, okay. They already knew how my old other properties cash flowed. Mm-hmm. I literally just emailed the guy like I'm buying this place, and he just started on it, sent me shit to sign. Oh, sweet. Whereas like the first one, it was definitely work filling paperwork out. Yeah. So you get your mortgage I picked. Now, did you go with Roofstock Property Managers for your two Roofstock properties? 
Um, I did, and that was I think that was definitely the best decision that I made. Um, okay. So my Indianapolis place, I pay 10% for the property manager, and that's mm-hmm. pretty typical. And if you just look on the internet, it's just like 10% is what it is. Um, Roofstock negotiated it before I got there, and it started at 8 um, oh, okay. They pre-vetted them. They gave two options in Atlanta uh, that that they think are good. And if you just go onto their site, they'll say you'll see. I'm with Excalibur Homes. They're one of them. Uh, this guy Matt there is awesome. Um, okay. And in the contract for Excalibur Homes, if I opted to collect my check on the 23rd of the month instead of the 9th, they drop one percent of their fakes. Oh. It's down to seven percent. And if I choose to only take digital um, statements instead of mail statements, they drop it another percent. So I'm paying 6% where... Wow. Yeah. And um, I calculated out that actually uh, increased my cash flow by two and a quarter percent just by... That's insane. Just for dropping paper? Yeah. Wow. And they have an awesome online thing I could log into. That was a requirement as well. I wanted to be able to, like, I want a portal that so I don't have to get papers or talk to anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody, right? You basically want to set up a machine that <laughs> basically works and squeezes out the meat pies for you. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you know me, dude. I want to automate this shit and move on. And that's what life. I want. Yeah. And I'm happy you showed me zero for my accounting shit today. Cause, um, man. So oh, what else am I missing here? So, um, so you got your property manager, property manager oh, is insurance. Huge. So who's insurance go through? Interestingly. Um, I, I didn't again, and I think like the common thread is I just like generally don't want to do a lot of work because uh-huh. I'm, I'm like literally building this tool while I'm closing on a property. I'm like we're building pro we're, we're like doing research for this shit. Like who's got time? So uh, first of all, the mortgage company is like, we could find you an insurance company. So I'm like, sure. And then Roofstock goes to me and they're like, we could find an insurance company. So I'm like, sure. So they both come back and they have their quotes and uh, the Roofstock one was cheaper. I don't know if it'll always be the case. Mm-hmm. I might always just ask both to find it. Um, and I get the quote. And then then you negotiate because insurance quotes are basically like pulled out of somebody's ass. Okay. Right? So you, so like they're like, oh, it's going to be $700. And you're like, okay, why? Tell me every single thing I get. And then you're just like, no, I don't need raccoon insurance. No, <laughs> I, you know, because th- they- th- I only th- rent to tenants who throw raccoons off the stairs preemptively. We have no raccoon problems here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then like, you know, well, there was like, a, oh, it's only a $1,000 deductible. But I'm never going to make a claim, so that I bump it up to a, a five thousand deductible. Okay. Um, Basically, your your entire mindset here is I will only make a claim if shit really hits the fan. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, hopefully, I should never have to make one. I can have a high deductible. The the whole point is you're gonna you're gonna pick a property that uh you know is certified by somebody, mm-hmm. right? Hopefully, doesn't have problems. Um. And then you build a reserve account for it and you let it just take care of itself. Yeah. You know, but if a, if like a meteor comes out of the sky and hits your place, actually you probably won't be covered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the insurance doesn't have meteor insurance. What the hell, man? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's going to happen. That's totally going to happen. It's a sticking point. I'm going to have to talk to my company. Look, about that. I never, did I tell you this story once? Well, 
Uh, there was this restaurant called Stella's in Des Moines once. It was like an old 50s style restaurant, checker floor, waitresses and like the aprons and everything, Elvis on the jukebox. Mm. And they did this thing where they put the the milkshake glass on your head and the waitress would stand on the stool and pour the milkshake from like three feet above from the little metal canister into the cup. It was like their thing. And uh, my family would go there when I was a kid. So my brother was always the adventurous one and he would do it every time. And they'd always just perfect, you know, perfect milkshake in his head. And I was always too scared. I was like, no, one time I do it, they're going to dump the milkshake all over me on accident. And they finally convinced me. And I don't even need to tell the rest of the story because you know what happened. You got covered in milkshake. Milkshake all over me. <laughs> I'm like crying. They gave me the free milkshake, of course, but I wasn't paying for it anyways, my parents. So, yeah, I am the guy who's like, no, the meteor's coming. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So what what else do we need to talk about before we wrap up here? Okay, so a ton of information here. Property management team, huge. Okay. Mortgage team, huge. Mm-hmm. Um there uh you know print, insurance. Got the insurance. Oh. Um one thing uh you could definitely do is you could look up vacancy rates. So soon the tool we're gonna have those in the tool right soon it won't have it for at some point today but yeah. uh yeah it's on the list for the next month's sprint for me okay. um, but what we did do or what we will do is we're gonna throw a bunch of links in the show notes uh turns out like it's really easily or it's very accessible information mm-hmm. um there's like all kinds of charts broken out every which way possible in major metro areas by state but broken down every which way and you just pick it out of there plug it into the tool so it's important to grab the uh, vacancy rate and if you have a high vacancy rate in the area maybe avoid that area um and the only other thing that i think is well i mean there's many other things but another major thing is repairs and older construction yeah yeah so that's why i was asking about repair stuff earlier because mm. then our roof stock says stuff so yeah so um, I think you need so look, uh, the best deals are the ones that need work, right? The property mm-hmm. that looks beautiful and has a nice lawn and is in like a, an A neighborhood, like that's you're not going to get a great deal. You're ca- not going to cash flow well, mm-hmm. so you need to take some risk. Possibly be willing to fix things that other people won't. Um, and and to that end, what what's the story with your management company? Will they run point on it for you? Are they going to charge you a fee on top of whatever to handle it? Um, do, you, do you want to deal with this stuff? You, if you have the time to deal with break fixes, you're going to get a great deal. I don't, so I'm not getting the deals that maybe you would, right? So if I had time, I could fly out and literally bring my tool bag yeah, and fix I'm, this place. Dude, it's your place. You can do whatever you want. Well, I might have mentioned this in one of the other episodes. I've got friends here who graduated from college like two years ago. And that's what they do. They buy really run down old construction, fix it up, sell it. So, and I feel like that's more like a flip kind of thing. I'm not sure if they're working on cash flowing of the rent. They might be, I'm not sure, but that's their thing. They're like, we're engineering students. We know how to build stuff. We know how to fix stuff. So we're going to renovate houses, which I mean, that's awesome. Look, as a guy who, uh, has to get his exercise at the gym because I just have soft fingers from typing on a keyboard all day. There's like a certain appeal in that. Mm. Like, I mean, there, there, there actually is some part of me that wants to just go around the country fixing up 
houses and then renting them out and building an empire that still requires me to work with my hands like that actually sounds pretty dope it'd be an epic wealth story yeah i'd be pretty i mean and you're not selling it so every single property you fix up you know you're cash flowing on it as long as you can pay for your flight ticket to get to the next place and you know if you buy a bunch of places in one city you could just go Dude, fix them all up. You get your first place that's run down, and you live in it while you <laughs> fix it. You get yeah. a sick deal on your mortgage <laughs> because you're you're living in it. Mm-hmm. Then then like you work on your next one, and you live you move to that one. And you rent the first one. And you just yeah. That's the only case in which your house is your investment because you didn't buy it to live in. You're just living in it so you can rent it out eventually. That's I don't know. I don't know. There's there's definitely some cons to that. But oh yeah, you it have to sounds cool. <laughs> you got to do work, you have to travel, mm. that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I've just been like, uh, ever since I interviewed Bob Claggett, who you've had on the show before, I was just like, man, I, I wish I could just work on stuff in a workshop all day. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the other the other question I have for you is more of a general one. We've done this series, mm-hmm. so obviously we've thrown out like four hours of information to people at this point, but are there any books people should read or more in-depth resources that people should really like just kind of wise up on before they jump into this? Like what's the, I don't know. Like what did you read? So I definitely think that you should uh, read or listen because you get audiobooks mm-hmm. uh, to tax free wealth. Okay. Um, that was recommended to us, I think by Natalie Morris, mm-hmm. amazing episode, amazing girl. Um, and uh, that that like I was interested, and I learned a lot from Allison. Um, and then reading that book uh, tipped me over the edge. I was like, ah, like because all the incentives kind of point towards property, yeah, um, or, or a lot do. So that was huge. Um, and then there's a blog uh, by this uh, girl woman named uh, Paul, uh, Paula, and it's called affordanything.com. Okay. And she gets into the the details of like you know how he, like what is the one percent rule and these these are all things that our tool has and we kind of have like tips to hover over but she has like stories and I think she has like nine properties it's interesting um, it's very practical um, and then honestly I, w- I learned a lot from Allison uh, just like lurking and, and reading the stuff that she writes and she has a few mm-hmm. articles. Uh, and the guy who I sit next to at work, Neil, um, has taught me an enormous amount. He, he, he dove in first and we've been like talking back and forth and he'll research something. I'll research something. Uh, so that was super helpful. And Neil has, uh, been like living bigger pockets and, and stuff like that. That reminds me of something. There is, what is it called? Um, when I had lunch with those guys from my college who flip properties, mm. they told me about an organization. And this is, it's like, there is one for Des Moines where I live, but I think this is like nationwide. There is, I can't remember the name of it. I'm like kicking myself because I can't remember the acronym, but it's like a property owners association or a property owners club or like a rental owners club or something or people who own real estate or who are into real estate, they actually meet up and they told me they've met a ton of people there who they do work with. They learned a bunch from 
I really wish I could remember the name of it right now, but so Neil has gone to I think at least one, uh-huh. um, and and a lot of people have said have, like highly recommend those things. Um, I work like a beast. I haven't, but Laura and I have talked about going to one. I, yeah, I think at, at the end of the day, like I hope I hope you pick up a lot from these episodes, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, like you got to fill in the gaps. Ask people who have done it, who have put their own balls in the line. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's good. if you can find someone who's like a who can act as a mentor, pretty much, mm. that'd be awesome. And I'm using you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the uh, URL for the tool, if anyone wants to go check it out, is pro dot dot com. Check it out; it's really it's really awesome, honestly. And I think that's all we have for this episode. Once yeah. again, if you didn't listen to the previous three, you definitely should. I think this is like the kind of cap onto those three so they're a package deal i think there'll be a five questions soon so if you have questions email us comment um Mm -hmm. yeah do it and if you want to find our favorite other tools apps books resources including tax-free wealth and that's in our book section of our toolbox which you can find at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox and that's all we got for you guys in this episode and this real estate series. So until next week, see you later. Later, man. Later. Please tell your friends about this show. Special thanks goes out to FreshBooks for sponsoring this episode. She works hard for the money. So hard for the money.